I think maybe their goal with that character was she's got the shaved head. She's like a little androgynous. I think they were kind of trying to use her to maybe bridge a gap. And I just think it was weird because I like purposefully leaned out for call, like for that particular yeah. scan in. Um, and I just didn't use my body. Like, and this might be like a bit TMI, but like, those aren't even like my breasts. Like that's not even my body. Battleline podcast. It is Veterans Day this week, if you're hearing this, the day that it comes out. So to all veterans, uh, celebrate this day. Have have a great day. Coming from a civilian who gets to work with a lot of veterans, I, I appreciate what all of you have done for this country. Uh, and anyone who listens to Battleline podcast knows that this is a very veteran-centric podcast. And um, yeah, every show. I, I feel like we salute veterans and what they do. Even the shows that that aren't related to veterans, we somehow we get bring up on the shows that uh, Don Dokken is on and that type of thing. Uh, with that, before we get into everything with Jade Struck, before I get into some of the stuff I wanted to talk about uh, regarding four years of Battleline Podcast, I want to give you kind of a recap of some of the cool stuff that we've done. I want to talk about Ned now. A lot of you guys are taking all different types of supplements. You may be taking protein supplements, a multivitamin, but are you taking anything specifically for your brain health, for your brain function? Are you taking a good supplement for sleep? If you're not doing either of those, I think the best supplement that you could be taking, which is a combination of those two, it's a nootropic, it's a great sleep supplement, great for mood, is the uh, is the Ned Brain Blend because it's not just a nootropic; it's also got CBD, which is going to help with sleep, which is going to help with mood, uh, it's going to help with depression, any of that, and and even more serious things uh, in terms of the Brain Blend. Guys coming back with uh, traumatic brain injury, this is doing amazing things for them, and we're hearing more and more about the benefits of CBD. If you're out there reading these studies, even more serious things like uh, Alzheimer's, it's being used to treat. So we're hearing positive things about that. We suggest that you check out Ned, any of their products, their Mellow Magnesium, their uh, their just regular uh, daily blend of CBD or their Brain Blend. That's a favorite. Um, their, their, uh, their Bomb, their uh, with the Menthol, man, so many great different products from Ned that we suggest that you check out. So go to their website, some of their stuff you could find on Amazon, but you're going to get the best deal through us, and you're also supporting the show when you go to helloned.com slash battleline. Go there right now. That's helloned.com slash battleline, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battleline. From Kansas City to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Mother I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into 
the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on, Battle Line Podcast. I hope that you are all enjoying this week and about to embark on enjoying your Veterans Day. Once again, we salute all of you who have served. Interesting thing, though, is 11-11 Veterans Day also marks this year four years of Battleline Podcast, which is pretty crazy. If Chris was here, we would reflect upon it a little bit. Uh, Chris is not here, as you can see. And every now and again, I do get comments in the uh, on the YouTube or any of that stuff of, hey, where's Chris Tonto Peranto this episode? But if you're a longtime listener, you kind of know this already because since the very beginning, every now and again, there's just there's and sometimes more often than than others, there's just going to be episodes of of me with someone else. And the reason for that has been Chris's bread and butter are his speaking engagements. I mean, that's that's what's paying the bills more so than this podcast. Um, we are not becoming millionaires off of Battle Line Podcast. Hopefully one day. I mean, we're, the trajectory is going very well, and that's why we're still able to keep this going after four years. But Chris cannot turn down those speaking engagements. Those are what supports him and his family. And he's great at it. He's got a great natural ability to tell his story and uh, and to engage and encourage audiences when he gets up there and speaking with corporations and other people. So, I mean, long story short, that's why a lot of times you're going to see episodes that are just myself. And it's, it's always going to be that way, um, but it's great when we're both on here. But yeah, reflecting on four years of Battleline podcast, I wrote down some notes because I wanted to make sure I had the timeline right here. And I do often get asked, like, how did this podcast start? I think people mistakenly think that I just went up to Chris and was like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And uh, and I wanted to, like, ride his coattails or something. And, and that's truly not the story at all. So I'll start with, I'll try to go way, way, way back to when I started in radio back in the olden days. Uh, 2006 was my start at radio. I transferred uh, to Hofstra University over from Temple University and they had a great radio program uh, at WRHU Hofstra, uh, the flagship station of the New York Islanders, also uh, number one rated Princeton Review Station. And yes, I did always get told, hey, you have a great voice for radio. Why don't you do anything radio related? And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So that kind of led me into that. And, and I mean, also having just a love for music. Uh, and I started to grow a, a love for radio as well for, for all different types of shows like JV and Elvis on 92.3, which, uh, if you know about that show, JV recently passed away. So RIP to him, um, shows like Andrew Wilkow, I got to become a friend of Andrew Wilkow, but my first, uh, gig in radio was in June of that year, June of 2006 with Fangoria radio hosted by D Snyder legendary D Snyder of Twisted Sister and Debbie Rashawn. And if you don't know Debbie Rashawn, she's been on the podcast before, but you hear her voice on every episode. She does the intro. She does the outro. So I do still occasionally stay in touch with her and maybe we'll have her back on at some point when she has something to promote. But yeah, Debbie's my go-to person whenever I need like something like that done. Cause I think she did an awesome job with the battle line intro and outro that you guys hear on every episode. 
And the music by Jimmy Allen. I can't forget that. Jimmy Allen, original guitar player, Puddle of Mud, wrote most of the hits of the year from Puddle of Mud. Um, but before I get too off track here, so I was doing that, and then I got hired in 2008, I believe. I'm pretty sure I got hired in two. I'd have to look back at my LinkedIn. I got hired, I, I think, 2008 by SiriusXM. And I got to do a lot of really cool shit there, one of which was filling in for Andrew Wilkow, something I always dreamed of. And him and I became friends, actually, during the election cycle of 2008, got to work on his show, worked on Senator Bill Bradley's show as an associate producer, which I won that New York Festival's award uh, behind me for, which I'm always proud of. So got to work on shows on Jamie Foxx's channel, worked with Mojo Nixon, did a lot of cool stuff at SiriusXM, but uh, at Will Cow's show is where I really met a lot of people that changed the trajectory of my life. So the first of which I should mention was Brandon Webb, who I met in early 2012 while I was working there. Brandon was the first Navy SEAL I had ever met. I thought his story was really cool. I, I didn't know much about the Navy SEALs at the time. I didn't know a thing about special operations. That's around the time I also met Jack Murphy because they were both starting softrep.com, which blew up and became huge and is where a lot of you know me from, but that's later on as well. So 2012, I meet Brandon Webb. Um, we become cool. And later that year, in 2012, I meet Navy SEAL Glenn Doherty. Glenn Doherty comes over to SiriusXM uh, as just a friend of Brandon Webb because they were working together. They had written a book together, and they and and Glenn Doherty was going to work at SoftRep.com possibly as a writer, as a personality for the website, and uh, he was a cool guy. I got to shake his hand and everything, and I think you guys all know what happened a few months after that. We hear that uh, Glenn Doherty dies in Benghazi. And just like many of you, I became very fascinated by the story of Benghazi because immediately the Obama administration was lying about what happened and that cover-up became apparent pretty quickly to any of us who were following it. And, and were I was just like any of you guys who, who were listening. I was outraged by um, being told that it was a YouTube video and all this stuff and Brandon and Jack Murphy and, and all the guys at softrep.com did a really great job, I felt, of getting the real story out there prior to even the 13 Hours book coming out because Chris, Tig, Oz, all, none of those guys were able to talk. Uh, they were kind of silenced until they got the book out. From there, I'm, I'm used to being on air basically from 2006 to 2009 while also working at SiriusXM, I'm still doing stuff at, uh, stuff at WRHU until I graduate that year, 2009. 2009 up to 2013, I am not doing anything in an on-air capacity. I'm just working behind the scenes. But the thing is, I always kind of think of myself as a radio host and I'm sending out my demo to different places. I'm trying to do what I can on on stations at SiriusXM. I'm doing a few things here and there. But by and large, I am just a behind-the-scenes guy in radio. And that is when podcasting really starts to take off. That's around the time Joe Rogan's podcast really starts to get known. And I go, you know what? I have access to all these studios at SiriusXM. And I'm not supposed to do this, but what are you going to do? Fire me now. 
Uh, I am like, no one's here on the weekends. I'm going to use this and I'm going to record some interviews and I'm going to make some shit happen for myself. And the first guest that I think of having on is Brandon Webb because he, like I said, he was the first Navy SEAL I met. I was learning more about what it is the Navy SEALs do. And I want, and he put out his book, which was majorly successful. So I, I wanted to have a conversation with him. And I think Brandon really believed in me, not so much just because of, I guess, my talent at doing this or any of that. What I think it was, was that in the intro of that podcast that we recorded for the first episode of my own show, I said something to the effect of, um, you got to make your own opportunities in life. And I think for too long, I was waiting for someone to discover me and put me on something. And my career has never really worked that way. I've always had to make kind of opportunities for myself and like, forcefully break myself into somewhere. Um, and I think Brandon has that same mentality. So yeah, I I get brought on pretty shortly after that to be on Soft Rep Radio uh, because Brandon just believes in what I do. And I do that for quite some time, uh, a lot of the time just with Jack Murphy. And uh, Drew Dwyer then gets brought into the fold and me and him become great friends uh, immediately. So... As I'm uh, doing that, as I start with uh, with uh, Safrep Radio, uh, and I'm there for a couple for a year, basically at that point, Chris comes into SiriusXM with one of the other Benghazi attack survivors, and I would not be able to tell you who it was off the top of my head. It may have, I think it was probably Oz, but I honestly don't remember fully. Chris just stood out to me because he's a super cool guy. Um, so down to earth. And I think we kind of hit it off as friends from there. And I was, I also was just, I was kind of starstruck and in all of these guys, even after meeting so many people I had, because I learned so much about the Benghazi attack. But then in 2014 is when that 13 hours book came out and they were doing all this media. And like, we were finally getting the real story of everything that came out from the time of the attack to the whole, just the whole timeline straight from these guys. So they were stars in my eyes before I ever met them. I mean, you could find a rant of me on YouTube talking about the Benghazi attack and the cover-ups prior to ever meeting Chris. So this isn't something that I became a um, of interest to me after meeting him. I, I was It was of interest to me right after the attack happened. So Chris Chris became really like a, a fixture on, on the Will Cow Majority on Sirius XM. So we spoke... Every couple of months, he would be on there. And then I brought him into the fold on Soft Rep Radio, myself and um, my, myself and Drew Dwyer. Because I think Chris was kind of um, reluctant to come on at first. I think some of that may have been the animosity that the guys at Soft Rep wrote, wrote Benghazi, the, the definitive report prior to them putting out the 13 hours book. And in many ways, they felt like this is not the definitive report. You never spoke to us. And I understand that from their perspective, uh, but once they got the book out and, and Drew Dwyer being a friend of Chris, he was kind of brought into the fold and, and yeah, Chris became a regular on soft Rep radio as I was hosting there. Um, fast forward then to 2019, I leave soft Rep radio for several reasons. If you want to go back to the, uh, episode we had with Brandon Webb, I detail a good amount of that. And I still stay in touch with Drew Dwyer. Drew Dwyer is no longer with the company uh, prior to me leaving for various reasons. And I, when I leave the company, I decide I want to take a trip to Arizona to go visit my friend uh, George 
and another one of my friend George's who actually just got married and occasionally listens to the podcast. And we went hiking in Sedona, which was an awesome experience. I get back from that trip and I get a call from a guy that we know uh, named Ben. I don't know if I should say his last name, so I won't. We call him Ben YPD. And he is the first person who hears of the death of our friend, Marine CIA contractor, Drew, Drew Dwyer. And uh, Ben hears about this first, uh, about the heart attack that he had. And I'm the first person he contacts because he's trying to get in touch with his wife. So I get a call from him that just says, Drew is dead. I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of shocked. Drew Dwyer. And he's like, yes, I need his wife's contact. Send it over to me. That type of thing. And so once I get word that I'm allowed to, you know, speak about this, the first person I think to call is Chris because Chris was also a great friend of Drew Dwyer's. And Drew was immediately like a friend to me, man. He was such a warm guy for people who who got the chance to know him. And for those who heard the podcast that we did together, I mean, anything you could see of him, that was really him. He was as authentic as it gets. So I called Chris and I had to break the bad news to him. We spoke about it for a little bit. Um, and it had been a while since I spoke to Chris at this time. So I said to him, um, just as an off the hand, off the cuff remark, I was like, by the way, I, I left soft rep. I'm just doing other things. I'm, you know, going to become a personal trainer, working on different things from here. And Chris just kind of says, man, why don't we just start a podcast? And I don't know if it was even something he had thought about at all, if it was even something he was serious about, or just it was a funny remark. But when someone says something like that to me, uh, I'm I'm like, yeah, let's go. for Dude, me and Chris Peranto doing a podcast? Hell yeah. And not just because I was friends with Chris. I mean, truthfully, the star factor there of how big Chris was at the time. Chris was constantly on Fox News and in media and uh, his commercial was constantly on TV with the sunglasses that all of you have seen. So I thought I thought this was going to be an immediate hit. But little did I know, Chris was like, I'm taking a break from doing all other media, <laughs> which would have brought this over the top a lot quicker. But it is what it is. It's It's been a um, longer road to get to where we are now. But um, it, it all goes down the way it's supposed to. But that's how it started, 2019. And and if you guys listen back to those shows, I think we've improved tremendously. Uh, hopefully, I'm not just the only one saying that, uh, especially being audio only. And then we've gone through different video guys who quite honestly half-assed this thing. And I'm just going to say, I think right now, like this is this is the dream team. This is what's going to take things to the next level. Um, myself, Chris Peranto. Harold doing our video, who is the best video editor we've had. And then also Dylan, who I've worked with for since um, really the um, the pandemic and all that, doing In the Wild, doing Obscurities podcast, writing for that, which uh, Debbie Rashawn, once again, is the voice of and, and writing for all different podcasts that we've done over these years. Um, he's helping us out a lot on that front. And that's why you may notice a few changes here and there, like we've moved the show over from uh what's it called from simple class simple cast to uh now I'm, now I'm forgetting the names of things if this even matters to you guys to to megaphone that's where we've moved the show over to so we're now on megaphone and with that we're throwing some ads into the shows which will probably annoy some of you guys i already know some of you in the comments will be like oh there's too many ads but Guys, just keeping it real, we we don't do this for free. 
we, we have to pay to, you know, keep the show up, to pay for video editing, and we're trying to build this show and build a profit. And, and as for the sponsors we do live reads for, those are all sponsors that we truly believe in. We wouldn't work with them otherwise. But yeah, you'll be hearing a few more ads during the show, which will hopefully lead to more revenue and lead to doing more cool things, quite honestly, and more in-studio appearances by people. And like when I'm in Vegas for SHOT Show, I want to get Corey Taylor in studio. We got to pay to book a studio. So all of that stuff factors in. And I think 2024 is going to be an amazing year for this show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, yeah, that is the origin story of us, uh, yeah, then launching launching the show on Veterans Day 2019. The, the only show Chris has been in studio for in New York City, and I hope that we get to do something like that again. But that's where all the photos are from. You see the photo shoots of us, us in the in the logo that you see over there, uh, that you see on every podcast. That was from the first ever show that we did. Uh, another thing I wanted to address before we get to the show with Jade Struck is, truthfully, I know everyone is hearing the terrible news out of Israel and everyone is going to have different perspective on this, which I realize of course, because, um, to look at this as just a simple issue would be ridiculous. Uh, I, I think it is. And I think all of us should feel it is tragic when any innocent civilians are dying, when children are dying, um, whether truthfully, whether it's the people who, who were, um, held capture by, by Hamas, you know, by Palestine and, and that we're still trying to free or the people that are, that are being bombed, you know, at, with Hamas using them as human shields. This is tragic either way. I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I mean, I have a, a great respect for the people of Israel. I will be the first to say I'm not the biggest fan of uh, the prime minister who's been there just about my whole life, Benjamin Netanyahu. I, I had the uh, opportunity to go to Israel way back in 2005, which I will always cherish. And I have always said that I would go back there at some point, and I haven't at this point. Uh, and I, I really hope I get to. But when you see stuff like this, it's like I, I hope there is something to go back to because this cycle of never-ending war is it, its tragic and it's horrible, and there's not much more I could say. I'm not going to get on here and give you, um, you know, platitudes with no real meeting of, of who you need to stand with. Uh, you know, you, you guys are educated, you know, what's going on. You guys follow the news out of there, but what I wanted to address and what, and what pissed me off quite honestly was that you guys remember we had a guest on the show a while back, uh, Tarek Azim, and he was great by the way. So no disrespect to Tarek. He suggested that we have UFC fighter, um, Jake Shields on. And at the time I was like, cool, let's, Let's have him on. And I have his number and I hit him up. And, you know, Jake posts a lot about conspiracy theory stuff on on Twitter, which or X, which quite honestly, I have no problem with usually. I mean, dude, for the love of God, we had Alex Jones on the show and you hear Alex Jones on every intro. 
Um, but Alex actually does, you know, despite some of the things he's gotten in a lot of trouble for, Alex does do his research on some of the things that he puts out there. Yes, some of the times turns out to be false. Many of the times he, he he's ahead of the curve on things that we later learn, quite honestly. Um, but I, I don't even think Alex would put out anything as outlandish as, as what I'm about to state. Jake, I have just noticed, is one of these conspiracy guys, even prior to everything going on, where everything seems to go back to Jewish people. And I am by no means one of these people who says, if you criticize Netanyahu, which I just said I'm not the biggest fan of, or Israel and anything, that you are somehow an anti-Semite. But if every single thing that you tweet goes back to some conspiracy involving Jewish people, yes, I do think you're an anti-Semite at that point. And I'm looking at Jake Shields' tweet that pissed me off that I replied to about this from October 26th, which you can find at Jake Shields uh, AJJ on X. Many of you are likely confused why America, why American, you know, he means America, is about to fight World War III for Israel. But this man is why. And then he posts a picture of Jeffrey Epstein. You know... To say this pissed me off, I don't even know what to say about it because I think people just write stuff on Twitter or X just to just to incite people. Does he really believe somehow that uh, America is fighting on behalf of Israel uh, for Jeffrey Epstein, a guy who's been dead? Like I know that there's some type of ties between Jeffrey Epstein and um, uh, you know, and special forces in Israel. And, and that type of thing, I, I, you could you could tie Jeffrey Epstein to a lot of people. Quite honestly, I don't know if every single person who visited uh, his island knew what he was engaged in. But uh, I don't know, uh, Jake. Like, are you trying to tie every single Jewish person, Jewish American, and every Israeli to Jeffrey Epstein? And we're about to go to a war where, uh, or be involved in a war where hundreds and thousands of civilians may die. And, you know, and, and it's going to be tragic either way. This is somehow tied to, I don't know if you really believe that there's any tie to Jeffrey Epstein. I think that this is just what boosts your significance on, on Twitter and your followers and, and incites people. Cause I, I mean, I've heard ridiculous theories. This makes absolutely no sense. And you haven't posted anything below that, that makes sense of it. And all I have to say is, man, like, when you post stuff like this, there's a lot of crazy people out there and people may get killed by some of the stuff that, that you post because there are actually a lot of idiots out there who will believe some of the stuff that you're writing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a believer in total free speech unless you're going to write something like threatening violence on someone out there. You can tweet whatever you want, but you should really think about this stuff first. And I don't think what I'm saying is hyperbole. Um you know, it was actually Necro the Rapper who pointed this out, but like Kanye West, right? All this anti-Semitic stuff he says out there. Kanye has more followers on Instagram than there are Jews on, on the planet. So yeah, he, he has a lot of influence and people out there hearing this and like, Jake, you have a lot of influence out there. And I really wish you would ask yourself, are you using this influence for good or are you just using this influence to incite people and to bring more hatred? Like what, what good does, does this do? Is there any... Do you have any facts behind these ridiculous theories that you're putting out there? Uh, and that's all I really have to say about it. That's all the attention I wanted to give to it. Uh, we have a great interview with Jade Strzok that you guys are going to love. Uh, we talk about stuff going on in the firearms community. We talk about mental health. 
Uh, and it's their second appearance on the show, actually. If you want to go back and check out our first, that was way back on episode 95. But with that, before we get to this interview, Fort Scott Munitions is with us for every episode. And they are, you know, as loyal as it gets, loyal to the core. This is all that Chris Peranto shoots with. If you take any of his courses that you could find over at tontosgearlocker.com, they're the manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition, which is designed to tumble upon impact TUI, their trademark in soft tissue. It leaves devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it will be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, but you can get the best deal through us when you go to fsm.com and you use the promo code BATTLELINE. You're going to get 15% off. And look, if you're ordering ammo in bulk, if you're ordering some of their t-shirts or just a bunch of stuff, that 15% comes in handy. So use it. Get the best deal once again at fsm.com. Promo code BATTLELINE. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. With that... Without further ado, the very beautiful and badass Jade Struck. Battleline Podcast, uh, just myself hosting this episode. Jade Struck was last on with us for episode 95 two years ago, if you guys want to yeah. dig back to the archives. Um, and then I also put together an episode called the Badass Female Guests episode. That was episode 116. We featured you on that. Um, so Jade Struck, competitive shooter, firearms instructor, influencer, model, and uh, yeah, I was honestly just thinking we haven't had you on in a long time and it would be cool to get you back on. So I'm glad I was able to do this. Yeah, thank you. And it's funny because I haven't done like a podcast in forever. And Rue and I are developing a bunch of stuff. But I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like a little out of practice. But <laughs> I remembered how easy you were to talk to. And I was like, oh, we'll be OK. We'll just like grease up the wheels and just spend a little bit. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because I feel like I would just from social media, I follow what you're up to. I think you follow what we're up to. So I feel mm -hmm. like I know you, even though we've never had a in in person conversation. Although I was thinking about this, I don't even think you realize this. The last time I was at Shot Show was two years ago, and mm -hmm. I wanted. I've never met you or Rudy Reyes. Uh, your boy is it be boyfriend, fiance? I don't even know what the. We just say we're married so that we can just postpone the actually having to do it for okay so like we're free of our work schedule which is insane right now so okay. he's my fiance yes all right on that note no, I, i've never met your fiance or you but the weird thing is i saw both of you guys at shot show and i am not the type of person who um if i see someone isn't going to say hi because i hate when people will text me or something and they'll be like hey i saw you here and i always feel like why didn't you say what's up but in my case, the reason I didn't say anything, I walked by one of the many booths you were at a few times, and every time you were shooting something, you were talking to a camera. So I was like, I'm not going to interrupt this. But Thank if you. you were just hanging out, I would have said hi. And then Rudy was in a conversation with all these other people, and it was it was just that type of thing. So I've yeah. never had an in-person conversation with you guys. 
hopefully this year at shot show it will you're or going. This coming year it will happen yeah i'm i'm oh. going for sure great yeah i'd love to, we'd love to link up with you guys it's just always so insane. And like I tell, we're actually going to Vegas in December for you too. They're playing at the Sphere. Oh, we've been talking about that. I want to go to the Sphere. You got to well, go. I'll probably go while I'm there. Yeah. 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 And we're going to go in December. And I was like, oh, I hate Vegas. Like we're going in January, like, but we're going to go again. And and it's just so insane. Like, you know, Shasha is just so crazy and you, you get to catch up, but, and it kind of sucks that like the only time that everybody gets to be together is like, we're all working and it's this massive event and it's like, you know, such a far distance to get anywhere. And so maybe we'll get to link up with you guys this year, but we don't usually go out. So we'd have to see on the floor. Yeah. I, I said this, um, on the last episode about Chris and it, it pertains to you too. Honestly, it's a different experience for you Oh, and Chris, than it is for me. Like I do this podcast, people know me from this or stop up radio, but I like truthfully, I'm not a super recognizable guy in that world. I get a few people who will be like, Hey, I listen to your podcast, but I'm not getting stopped everywhere. No one really cares about interviewing me. So I kind of just get to walk around and do my thing for Mm -hmm. you. And for Chris, you're getting stopped every two seconds because this you're a celebrity in this niche world. Maybe not in everyday life, but in this small niche world, this is where people know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's honest, it, but that's like the fun part is because it's funny because rolling with Rudy, you know, you think like people know me, like people know Rudy Reyes. We're walking in the middle of nowhere in Boise, Idaho. And a guy across <laughs> the street is like, Rudy Reyes, and they're screaming across <laughs> the street. And so it's actually funny because at Shot Show, like I can move relatively easily he's the one getting stopped and 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 trying to lug him along but it's all good like it's it's rewarding and my favorite show is nra show and we just moved to dallas and nra show is gonna be here next year um which is great it's my favorite show and we'll be local and i just can't wait so if you guys get a chance to go to nra show it's like the best show that you can go to in my opinion I've heard Chris say that he likes, I've never, the only thing I've done in this world really is shock show mostly every year. I end up like skipping years. I didn't go last year, but yeah, I've, I've heard good things about it. Yeah. It's just the consumers and, you know, like shot is so work oriented and NRA shows such the opposite. Well, for when you can buy things there, which I enjoy, I love shopping, but um, you get to meet the people that actually watch your stuff or have been following your career and, you know, for me, because I was so young when I started, now I'm going to be 26, like it's, you know, almost eight years of me doing this. And so to hear people like, I followed you from the beginning when you had pink hair. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that was ages ago. And it's just cool to to meet the people that also you interact with online, because not a lot of people can make it to shop because it's industry only. Yeah, I, I don't remember you with the pink hair. My, my introduction to you was probably the shaved head, but that was, was that really strictly for a video game character or did you want it? No, that? no, I did. Yeah, I did it. Just, I had, so long story, I've always shaved my hair and I had half a shaved head and then another half a shaved and then I had a bob. And so I was like, this is too much. I was like, and eventually I'm going to have to shave the whole thing off because I can't deal with like half and half. I'm like very particular. Like if I'm missing a <laughs> yeah. nail, they're all getting ripped off. So I shaved the whole thing. And then with Call of Duty, they were like, you know, hey, we want you for this photo shoot. They may want to make you a character. I was like, that'd be great, but I'm not changing, you know, what I'm doing. And we're going to go do the thing. And we did it. And it was great. And they were like, yeah, we want you to do it. And luckily, I was in L.A. at the time. Um, But they did not use my body for my character. Like, Why why not? Because... And truthfully, this is not a, like kissing your ass type of thing. But like both you and Rudy, you have like the video game character body. 
I know. And I I don't know. I think maybe their goal with that character was she's got the shaved head. She's like a little androgynous. I think they were kind of trying to use her to maybe bridge a gap. And I just think it was weird because I like purposefully leaned out for cult, like for that particular yeah. scan in. Um, and they just didn't use my body. Like, and this might be like a bit TMI, but like, those aren't even like my breasts. Like that's not even my body. You know what I mean? What, so what I just, Cause I, I've seen like your picture from when you were shooting the character, but what, what did the character body look like? Cause I don't even know. It was, she was just super thick. Like I remember somebody, the first comment I ever read about when she came out was Iskra's built like a fridge. And I'm like, Oh, she totally is. Like, she's a thick girl. You know what I mean? And she's just like really wide. And I'm like not a wide person. Like I wear like extra smalls. You know what I mean? And I'm tall. I'm five foot seven, but I'm not that wide. And I'm also like my extremities are thin. And she's just like a thicker girl. Her legs were huge. And I was like, I don't recognize this body. You know? Yeah, but which is kind of it's kind of weird in video games, I guess, because to me, you know, as someone into fitness, although I'm like not at my most fit right now, but I, you know, I am a certified okay. personal trainer. You have like and I, I think for a lot of people, an ideal women's fit body. And I people do see the stuff on Instagram where truthfully it's becoming more and more commonplace is a bunch of women on gear, which is taking male hormones. And right. like, I, I think some people who just don't have the knowledge look at that and they're like, wow, can I look like that? And no, unless you're on a massive amount of drugs as a female, you cannot look like it. Just It's not humanly possible. Right. And I think too, like when I, you know, and I always kind of gauge things like when Rudy and I got together, like, like I was 150 pounds, I weigh 140 now, but I had like a completely different body type. And I went through like this depression, I gained weight, I started working on my mental health, I started going to therapy, I lost a bunch of weight, because I was training like a maniac, but I wasn't lifting heavy weights, I was just doing a lot of body weight. I got super lean, almost to a point where I was so thin. Like, I just, we always make a joke about Whitney Houston, like, crack is whack, right? Like, because I was smoking so much nicotine, and I wasn't eating properly, and I was just so flat. And now I'm in a really content place where I'm gaining muscle, like, my muscle bellies look good. Um, I'm not dehydrated. Like, I'm really great. My water intake is great. My eating habits are great. My sleep is phenomenal. But important. I think people don't really look at the full picture when they're talking about their physical fitness. They don't think about, well, where's my mental health at? Because you're, where your mental health at is going to dictate how you eat, when you eat, how you sleep, how you view yourself, how you approach your daily habits. You know, I have a, a my closest friend, her name is Brooke, and I love her to pieces. She is doing so much all the time that like she doesn't really pour into herself. And so she forgets to eat and people it's the little things that people don't really think about in their daily routine. It's a, you know, feeding and fueling yourself in a way that is loving is a form of self-care. And if you don't value yourself as much, which I'm not saying she doesn't value herself, but we all struggle with it. Then you don't take the time to nurture yourself. And so I think, you know, for one, to your point, like talking about the use of steroids and all of that, nobody's honest about it, especially online. Um, and then when you do see those natural physiques, you realize that it takes, it's years and years and years of work because you need to develop the muscle bellies and you need to develop, you know, your fundamentals of, of fitness and same thing with shooting. Like your whole foundation is built on the fundamentals of understanding principles of movement. 
And then when you start understanding how to block out your training and this, that, the other, but it's totally doable, but it all depends on how you're approaching your life, you know? So right now I feel great, but it's because like, I've never been happier, you know, all, every area of my life is really positive. And it doesn't mean like there's always good days, but like my mental health is great. Spiritual health is phenomenal. And I'm grateful. Um, like in all of that contribute, emotional health is great contributing to physical health. But if not, if all of that first mental, physical or mental, emotional, and spiritual aren't in order, this ain't working. You yeah. know what I mean? No, it's very true. I know when I was at my most depressed, like I could relate to all that. I couldn't eat. I, I would go to the gym and after 10 minutes I would tap out. I would just, I, I'm not in the mood to do this. So yeah, all of it connects with each other. And um, it affects too on just the last thing I'll say is like, yeah, on, it's on, fine. My friend, she's like, you know, I really want to get into shape and, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do 15 to 20 minutes of cardio. And I'm going to do 15. And it's like that, those five extra minutes, those three extra reps, like those five extra pounds in your weights, like those are going to be the things that make the difference in your results. And so I think it's a mindset of short selling. We go to the gym so that we can invest in ourselves. But when we get there, if we're not feeling right, we shortchange ourselves in the investment. Yeah. And it's like, it's every decision in small or big impacts the overall picture. So it's like, we have to be really mindful to push ourselves if that's what we want. And we have to like negotiate on it, but we can't let the, you know, the discouragement take that place of, of making that decision. We have to be thinking more clearly. Yeah, I agree. Just having like positive self-talk, all of that is important. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I wanted to get into like what you're actually up to now, because yeah, two years ago, and it was more than two years ago. I wasn't here. I was, I remember we were, I was temporarily at my parents' house. We didn't even uh, have video. It was just an audio episode. So a lot has changed here for us uh, mm-hmm. for the better. And then for you, you struck society is new from the last time that we spoke. So mm-hmm. you're on to like all different ventures for people who follow you on Instagram and for people who don't. Um, I can see there's a lot going on with your career with uh, with shooting and also with instructing, competitive shooting and, and instructing. Yeah, you know, I haven't been competing a lot. It's funny because I talked to my dad and every, you know, it's a very positive. Every time I talk to him, he's like, well, you need to be doing more. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, you know, I haven't been competing a lot. Um, we've been moving around a lot, but between Rudy and I's work, like we're very much so, my work is my work, but I help him a lot with his. So I would rather pour into my household than like go and compete right now, but I'm getting into long distance stuff. But no, I started Struck Society. I teach, you know, everything that I find importance in. So we do like intro courses all the way up to advance. Um, I have a training app now that is linked onto my Instagram where I do dry fire. Yeah. And, you know, get people in. I'm like, listen, you don't even have to shoot. Like the app is completely dry fire. I do have training drills that coincide with the dry fire training there to take to the range um but we do a lot of like online coaching mental coaching um just to try to get people to continue training i think you know coming out of covid i mean we had this whole thing happen since the last time we talked i don't think that that had even happened yet um we're, or were no, we it in did. It? yeah because 2021 it was like it was like yeah. summer 2021 i actually looked back people are still kind of coming out of that which is oh, yeah. surprising because oh, yeah. we never stopped you know but i think people lost a lot of confidence, but there's also a huge increase in, in women wanting to learn how to, to shoot. And a lot of new shooters, like I teach, I'm from California. 
I teach a lot of classes out of California. So it's an excuse to go see my family too nice. and teach my family. Yeah. But and it's probably you know, like here though, and because I'm in New York, where California, New York, we're both very limited on what you're even allowed to shoot out there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny because California, even though the roster of what you can own is limited, um, I mean, shooting sports, really, California was the epicenter for shooting sports, like way oh, back yeah. in the day. There's one of the oldest pistol leagues there that I used to shoot at. And then and, people um, also think of like the Navy SEALs base down there. And, yeah, know, Camp Coronado. Pendleton yeah. And, and Coronado. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like there's a lot of options out there. The thing that California doesn't have is like the knowledge and the culture, right? So you get a lot of new shooters who have no idea anything about firearms. They go, they pick up some, you know, three fifty seven revolver and they're like, teach me how to shoot this thing. And I'm like, well, we should probably, if it's for home defense, we should probably looking like a shotgun, not to completely bash on your revolver, but you know, they don't have a lot of knowledge of the culture of firearm handling, which is why, like I started this intro course where we don't shoot anything. We just break down pistols of what they are, how to use them, ammunition, how to be safe with them, stance, grip, dry fire, trigger press, what to do when you get to the range, how to lock your shit up at home. Like just the overarching, this is a pistol and this is how you handle it because they just don't have the, they don't understand the culture of how to handle firearms respectfully, you know, and, and how to keep them, you know, how to keep them safe and how to respect them and not fear them. And, you know, how to understand this is a tool and this yeah. is how you would handle it. And so it probably, I was just going to say probably matters where in California too, though. Right. Because sometimes I talk about New York with Chris. It's funny because Chris is from like middle America and he talks about this entire state, like it's midtown Manhattan. And I'm right. like, no, New York is a giant state. There are right. tons of people who are all about the gun culture in upstate New York. Yes. And, and hate that this legislation in one tiny part of the state affects all of us. Right. Uh, I'm on Long Island, which is kind of like a medium between those, I would say, that there's there are shooters and there's people that are also close to the city. That, But uh, yeah, I mean, California also, very big state. It's not all Los Angeles. No, and to be honest with you, like, you know, California, the the only blue parts of the state are the bigger cities, right? You've got Los and Angeles. And that's the same as New York, New York State. <laughs> same right. exact Oakland, thing. San Fran, Sacktown. That's it. Yeah. Like it's very in the in especially central California is very rural, very, you know, I grew up in out like an hour outside of LA and it's all like cops, firefighters, and veterans that live there. And it's a like very it's called Simi Valley. It's where the uh, Reagan Library is at. Okay. You know, it's a very two-way friendly community. Um, so it's, you know, it is tough, but they're not discouraged and I'm grateful to be able to offer services there. And I have a lot of great clients that are from California. Um, so I think the goal, like the goal with, with Struck Society is just how do we empower and inform people on their journey of firearms and how do we do it in a way that we get them, like for me, I structure my classes like this is how, you know, I wish my mom was taught how to handle firearms. Like she was kind of like, here's a pistol, like learn how to shoot. And if you shoot it wrong, like go do 10 pushups. Like she it to totally turned her off. And I'm like, I want to structure all of my training in a way that guides people in, in a way that they'll stay for the long haul and find themselves in the sport and find themselves grow within it in a different way than I think people would think is, I don't think people think that's available when looking from the outside, but I mean, it's like anything. So yeah, I started Struck Society. Yeah, I was going to add, when you, when you mentioned your mom there, are you mainly targeting female shooters or it's just whoever is interested? You know, I find 
my advanced courses has a lot of men in them. And then my more intro rudimentary courses ha has a lot of women in it. And so I actually think that and my clientele is a very big mixed bag. I, I enjoy working with everyone. Um, but I think my passion really lies with women of wanting them to realize that like, just because I have this skill set and I've been doing it for my whole life, doesn't mean that you can't develop it as well and have your own version of it and be confident with your firearms and not, you know, be afraid that, oops, sorry, you know, my phone's ringing. <laughs> you're you're um, good. I hear you fine. I don't, I don't know. If... Okay, good. I just lost you. Anyways. Really? I, I see. You. Oh, you, do you not see me or? I, I, I didn't. I I got you back. I see you. <laughs> okay. I see you. Okay. Did you? Okay. That's a, that's a Martin short. Um, I don't know if he was on SNL or what, but he was doing like, um, full acrobatics anyways. He was like, I it's, see it's you. funny that you're making a reference like before my time and you're younger than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. Anyways. Yeah. Keep so, that in Harold. Um, Cause our, our video editor, keep that in. That's yeah, funny. Thanks Harold. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I just like working with women and you know, I'm from I, like, I'm a family of all women minus my dad. So it's like just kind of natural for me. And I've been actually blessed because a lot of my friends now are females in the industry. And I, and that's a huge blessing because, you know, for a while there, I didn't really have a lot of friends in general in the industry. And that was kind of like self-chosen. But now like my circle is, it's really beautiful. And there's a lot of women, there's a lot of great women in firearms that I'm really enjoying sharing the space with. So yeah, I just found myself around them a lot. That's cool. And and then you work with a lot of different companies in the industry, Henry Rifles, mm -hmm. Capital Armory, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been on board with you for a long time now. Yeah, you know, I'm start, you know, I'm really grateful because like I'm working with companies that have the same value system that I have that want to do good work. You know, this whole lever action boom happened with uh Chris Costa probably like a year and a half ago. And I was grateful because after that, Henry was like, Hey, we'd really like to work with you. And they're a wonderful company to work with, really represent American values and tradition. And then Capital Armory really cares about their uh, clients, like suppressors. It's something that I really was kind of nervous about getting into in general. Because, you know, everybody's like, oh, I don't want to be on the ATF's list. You know, yeah. where it's like, it, but it's like when you're doing it in a way that when you have somebody beside you that helps you through that process and kind of demystifies it and helps you along with it, it becomes less scary. So even for me now, like same with what I'm trying to do with Strike Society of helping bring women and build their confidence. Like I'm building my confidence in different areas of shooting sports and firearm accessories that I didn't really know much about before and kind of sharing that too along the way. So it's been really great. I'm really blessed to work with a lot of great companies and, and work is great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome because the, actually uh, I'm just thinking about this. The last time we had you on, you, uh, I remember we asked you the thing and we actually asked the same thing to Quint Morgan about like the firearms influencer world and what that means mm -hmm. to you and everything. And you, I, re, I just, I remember everybody I interview, like all the responses. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like if it's, if it's other stuff in my life, I don't have a good memory for it, but this I do. Yeah. I'm always plugged into every interview. Like I'm, I'm not checked out while I do this, but I remember you saying um, that this whole firearms influencer thing, it, it's not something that you see lasting forever. And you're like, I may be a police officer. I mean, but do you feel now more comfortable with this? Like that, this is my career. This is what I'm good at. And I have a following because I think for someone like you, it, this can be a lifelong thing. Who's to say it's not. Yeah. I mean, and I appreciate the work. Like I, I think there's still, I actually still considered 
you know, being a, a cop and I mean, things have gotten so hard in that field, but I don't know. I think that I don't know if I'll ever have like a traditional job, but I'm also branching out in the influencer space behind the scenes, you know, and I'm starting to do some consulting for other like influencers and firearms people. And so I think I am a little bit more settled into it now, but I think that's because I found companies that really trust me and enjoy working with me and I enjoy working with them. And, but I still don't know what's forever for me. Um, and I just, I'm kind of like now more than anything, I'm just kind of curious as to how things are going to, you know, how things go and come along. And I mean, we, Rudy and I have a production company together and we're working on that and helping him with his business and whatnot. So there's a lot of things that I think I'd like to do. And I'm just kind of a little bit more open-minded, but I think for now, like the foreseeable future is I'm happy with the kind of work that I'm doing. But since we were last talking, I've kind of gone through different iterations of things and, you know, had some different things happen and a lot of things change. So, you know, I'm glad that those things did happen though. So I could kind of find my footing and find where do I belong in it. And I think Struck Society has been really helpful because the piece of working with people I mean, the whole influencing thing of like filming your own content and doing all this crap, like it's very not really fulfilling because you're just filming yourself, editing videos of yourself, posting videos and hearing people oh, yeah. talk about you. Like it's too much me. No, I, you know? I agree. I mean, I would say when it comes to this, I love this aspect of it. I love interviewing interesting people. I love hearing their story. I personally, and some people love it, like I don't care about the social media route of it. But luckily, like we have a great video editor now who's able to make stuff happen and and it's doing really well. And I'll do whatever I have to do to make the podcast hurt to as many people as possible. But right. yeah, when I first started with radio, none of that was a thing because I started in 2006. So I was just right. interested in what, what I did on air and having good interviews and, right. you know, at the time playing good music because I was doing that when I started on early uh, in radio. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the social media aspect, I agree. It becomes kind of tedious and that's not the thing that I like the most. And, and I mean, you're good at it though, because you do, you do occasionally have like a little TikTok type dance thing on there with guns and 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 they're they're entertaining. And you know, I, I think the number one thing that I found is like not being afraid of trying new things. And like, for me, I just kind of found like my voice, what I enjoy doing is like the teaching side of it. I tried the modeling thing for a while. And it was mostly because like, I kind of like went down this rabbit hole and I was modeling for a while, but now I'm not doing any modeling and I actually love it. So I'm like happy that my hands are wiped of that for now. Um, and just like shooting, like, I think the thing that was missing is I kind of lost who I was as a shooter, you know, like I kind of fell out of love with it because I felt too much pressure because it wasn't in its proper place in my life you know like shooting when I was growing up used to be something for me it was something that I did with my family like I did with my dad and my sister and it's something that I always really loved and then when I turned 18 I get offered this job I start working at this range you know I start doing the social media thing all of a sudden like I'm like this little star thing happening and and it just got really it got convoluted and shooting was really like my throw line to sanity throughout all of that and then I got out and like it just I was kind of I just lost where shooting fit in for me and so now you know I, when I work I go to work but then there's days that I go to shoot and train and I'm not filming anything and I'm by myself and I used to not like training alone and now 
I really only can train alone. And so then it's a very interpersonal thing between me and my craft and doing it because I love it. And then also remembering like, Hey, I'm actually kind of good at, I know that there's potential for me to be good at this. Like I can still see the little spark of what kind of made me want to keep going forward in the first place. It's like a little bit of natural talent. So I'm like, I know that I have the potential for this. I just need to incubate that. And then when I have to work, I have to put work in its place and do that. But then when it's done, I have to be done with it. Yeah. You know, and I can't, I have to compartmentalize the different things so that I can find where I fit into all of it, you know? Yeah. Well, so well that's the cool thing about, as you said, you know, you don't know if you'll ever have a traditional job. I, I feel the same. I, I think having a traditional job just sucks. And I've, I've done it yeah. many times on and off, even while doing this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. But that's, that's kind of the cool thing about having your own route with what you're doing. You get to set aside time for instructing, set aside time for you and Rudy, set aside time for fitness and yeah, yeah, and kind of make your own schedule. And and for some people that doesn't work, but if you're mm -hmm. a self-determined, self-motivated individual, you're going to find a way to get it all done on your own time and not have to, you know, from nine to five, be somewhere where you don't, you know, you it's very hard to structure all those things around also having a full-time job. Yeah, and I think too, like what was important for me was getting back out into the community and like remembering, like I went to a competition when we were in South Carolina, just one, like, you know, it's not, but I forgot what it's like to be back around a bunch of shooters and not like famous shooters, not brands, just like shooters that do it because they love it. Some of them are great. Some of them are not like, but we're all here because we love shooting. And I think I needed to just like, remember who the, who the people I'm a part of our, you know, and, and there are people who like to like, you know, cook up some barbecue in the parking lot and have a beer after they shoot and listen to some country music and like go home to their family. And then they go and they do their thing. And, and I needed to remember what shooting really was about, not just me and my training, not just me in the industry, but like me in the community and then, and appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do appreciate, you know, this unique position that I've been put in. And uh, I don't want to waste it, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's well said. And I, and I do understand getting burnt out with things, especially when it's something that was your hobby that turns into your full-time job. And yeah, it, it, it makes sense that you'll get burnt out of something like that. Um, actually, I think the last thing I wanted to get into was just that the week this goes up will be Veterans Day. I know you're kind of in the same space as me as like you and I are both not veterans, but we're both very connected to this community for you because of Rudy Reyes, but also because your your friends and colleagues with a ton of different veterans so yeah what is what does this mean to you you know like we're very into history and i love america and i grew up patriarch like my dad was a cop my mom's a firefighter my grandfather who's you know on his way out was a marine and my mom wanted to be a marine but her dad told her no and yeah. which is kind of funny because a lot of my Marine friends are like telling their kids, don't be a Marine right now, you know, but. But if they really um, want to, they're not going to give a shit. They're going it's, to. They're going yeah, to. I've heard that from so many people. Um, You know, when I was doing soft rep, I remember people would send emails sometimes to, you know, when I was doing with Jack Murphy, like, I want to be an Army Ranger, but my, my, my parents don't want me to. And he's just like, if you really want to fucking be an Army Ranger, you're going to do, do it. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to stop you. Feel, you so. Yeah, called to serve. But I will say. I know some of the most extraordinary 
veterans of our time, you know, Chris being one of them, but like Roger Sparks, who's Rudy's uh, instructor at, I want to say it was his instructor at BRC, but he's part of Forest Blue, which is Rudy's nonprofit. Um, and you know, nonprofit. I, I'm, I'm just thinking of names, you know, you guys also know Tulsi Gabbard, which is pretty cool. Tulsi, God, God bless her too. She's one of the most incredible human beings I know. Um, which we would love to get her on to Force Blue as well. But I'd love to get her on this podcast. <laughs> well, I'll talk to her for you. I'll talk to you. Yeah, her for you. Okay. She's wonderful. I mean, she's so busy, but no, I just know some of the most incredible individuals who are also veterans and war heroes. And I just don't like in our house, every day is Veterans Day. And I think that that's the way that it should be. Um, Americans are very blessed to be in the greatest nation that's ever existed. And even though we're in a kind of funny time, you know, and it feels like, you know, maybe the walls are getting a little closed in, like true Americans, they, they love this country. We love our veterans. You know, um, we believe in America still. And I just feel like, you know, Veterans Day, like God bless all veterans and that we celebrate them on that day. But I also think that we celebrate them on every other day, you know, and without them, I don't even know where we would be, but, but I'm grateful, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's well said. It's better than anything I could have said, but I, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I, I feel blessed to be able to just be colleagues and friends with so many guys out there. I don't know about you, but I'm not one of those people who, cause a lot of people come on when we don't, when we have someone who's not a veteran and they'll always be like, my one regret in life is that I didn't serve. And I wish I would have, I don't know. I don't think it's worth going through life like that with regrets. Uh, I, I ended up, you know, choosing this path that I'm on now and I'm just blessed to be friends with those guys. I I didn't yeah. serve, but I don't need to. I don't need to apologize for it. You know, like, yeah. I I I I fully respect what they did, and and because of them is the reason that that yeah we get to do what we do. And you know, I think that a lot of us are called to serve, and that doesn't always mean serving in the military. That doesn't always mean you know serving in police or fire or EMT. I think the number one thing is is if you feel called to serve. It doesn't matter the regret that you have of not doing a particular avenue, but still find a way to serve your community. And if you regret not being a veteran, which I know you don't, but like if a listener regrets not, you know, signing up and, and serving their country, like serve veterans, do yeah. what you can for the community. Because to be honest with you, the only people that are really supporting the veteran community are veterans and their families and people that love them. And it's not, you know, it's not our government and we're not getting, you know, aid from these other places. It's just really, you know, if you want to contribute to helping them, then get involved in some way. There's plenty of veteran nonprofits. Um, there's plenty of organizations that want to help veterans and there's plenty of things that we can do like with what we have, we don't need extraordinary, you know, means and we don't need really much of anything just time, like, you know, putting time into, to service and to helping, you know, those in our community, especially those that are struggling, um, is service, you know, and I don't think that it needs to be defined by, you know, just one thing. Yeah. And especially now at a time like this, I think more than ever veterans do feel like they're being left behind. I mean, maybe not more than ever, because I know Vietnam, they experienced to all another degree, but right. yeah, when, I mean, even just for me, when you hear about, no matter how people feel about them, we've discussed the Ukraine stuff on here, Israel, and I understand all sides of these conflicts, but when people hear like multi-billion dollar spending package after multi-billion dollar spending package, and we have a giant VA backlog, we literally have veterans killing themselves in the parking lots of VAs. Like, how is there not money 
to care for all of these guys. It's, it's, it's astounding really. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of, you know, we're, I think a lot of, I mean, veterans really struggle, but so do a lot of people with like purpose and community. I think a really big issue that we see, you know, at least with the work that we do with Force Blue and like with the, the, the small work that I do, but the large amount of work that Rudy does in the veteran community is that lack of normalcy with a community of people that you know and love that share the same value system you do. And I think like, you know, if we have any veterans listening that are struggling, like finding your group of people and really committing to making time to going and see them and continuing your PT plan. Like I understand when your job requires that you be, you know, fit to a certain level that you do it. And then when the job's done, you know, you don't, it's not necessary for your daily life, but it is necessary for your mental health, you know? And if that was a normalcy before, like if you get injured, Ian, you know, you're, you're fit, you're strong to work out your physical trainer or your uh, personal trainer and you get injured and let's say you get in a horrible accident, you're bedridden, and then you, you know, miraculously get through it. And then they're going to start going to plan. Your plan includes you training the exact same way that you did before, but even more so because your body remembers it. And because you did it, that's going to streamline your healing process because you poured this time in. Our bodies don't forget the work that we pour into them before. Like just yeah. because we get down, we get busy, this, that, the other, our bodies still require the attention that we used to give it. And so, so does our emotional self. And that comes through community a lot. Like with what I was talking about with shooting is needing to remember the community that I'm a part of, you know, they did the science experiment. Um, and I forget what it's called. And I'll make this super quick, but they no, had this fine. rat. We're not, I'm not in a rush. Yeah. They had this rat in a cage and it was by itself. And they had two water bottles. One of them had heroin. The other one had just normal water. And almost always in a very short amount of time, the rat would um, go up to the bottle with heroin on it, overdose yeah. and die. Right. I remember hearing about this. Yeah. But then they built another experiment of another side of the, um, can you hear that wrestling? No, no, you're good. Okay, good. Another side of the thing. Um, and they had, what they made was like rat paradise with, you know, spinning wheels and obstacle courses and mazes and an abundance of food, but more than any, and they still had the heroin drip and they still had the water drip, but they had a ton of rats. It wasn't just one stuck in a cell. And what they found was in this, you know, rat utopia that whenever they would go and like some of the rats were curious and they could try the heroin drip. And, but they found that other rats, when they saw that one rat trying heroin drip, would pull them away from it and bring them back into the community and get back integrated and not go to it. And none of them became addicted to the heroin. None of them overdosed on it. And they would support each other of not going back to the heroin drip. And what that proved was, you know, community and social support are hugely important to us as social beings. And we see a lot of depression and mental illness come out of lack of community and not just a lack of community of, you know, people in the world that you don't relate to, but you need your community of people that you cut your teeth with, that you were overseas with, that you worked with, that you bonded with, you know, that everybody lives everywhere different, but we need to make the effort to get, you know, set aside some money. If, you know, we're a little strapped, like save up but go and see your homies and refuel your social tank with the people that you love that understand you because we see a lot of addiction issues in our community. And a lot of that has to do with the lack of community and also the 
you know, hardship of going through and kind of unpacking and situating the trauma. But the best place to do that and the best way to start doing that is to get back with the people that understand your trauma and don't judge you for it, that you can communicate with that you don't feel like an alien. You know what I mean? And I mean, we see it with Rudy all the time. Sometimes he'll get down and we'll get back with his homies. And like, he's like re-energized and re-brought to life. Like even men like Rudy Reyes get down and need his his brothers. And we prioritize that, you know, because we both know that we're social people and that we need our community. You know. Yeah, it's very true. Even if you're not the most social people, you need to be around people. You need to. And, and as you also said, with the exercise stuff with PT, yeah, a lot of veterans do get down because they're like, I stopped doing PT. I, I stopped any of my physical training. So, yeah, all of that is extremely important and just striking a balance in your own life. I, I think it's all very well said. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, once again, at uh, Jade Struck on Instagram. Uh, at struck society on instagram i'm really happy we're able to do this again because you just there's always people i want to bring on multiple times and you came to my mind and it's just the amount of new people we want on and every now and again doing a guest free episode it's hard to balance it all out but it was cool to do it at this point because you have so many new things going on and hopefully new people who want to uh shoot with you is it and actually last thing i'm wondering is it mainly in dallas that you're teaching like are you going to be all over the country I'm going to be teaching, um, you know, I do a lot. I do classes in Florida, down in Miami. I do Dallas, and then I do California. Like, those are my three hubs. But traveling to teach is kind of hard, you know? Like, yeah. it's hard on the body. And so I'll be teaching a lot out of California, or out of, excuse me, out of Dallas. Um, but then I'll also, like, do special requests. And I don't know. I think I may in um, in Vegas do some private classes. Like generally speaking, if I go places that I'm not teach, like putting on courses, I'll offer privates there. So, I mean, I travel around to teach. Most of my stuff will be out of Dallas, California and Florida. Cool. Those are all yeah. cool places too. I, I love Thank Florida. Uh, I, it's okay. funny. I think the last time you were on was around the time I was thinking of moving to Florida. I, the reason I never did is because it, it actually has to do with community of like being here and your family and friends. At yes. some point I would still love to, but I agree. All of that is uh, very important, but yeah, check out Jade's stuff. And and if you're thinking of shooting, check out her schedule, where she'll be. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else before we uh, wrap this one up? Nope. Thanks for everything, Ian. So good to see you. Oh yeah. Thank you. And, and hopefully I'll see you at actual shot show. Um, Let's make it a point. You guys are, Yeah. Wherever you guys are listening or viewing, Uh, Make sure to become a subscriber. Just hit subscribe, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it, guys. That's all for this episode of Battleline Podcast. But we're always posting new content on social media. Follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. That's an order. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes up every Tuesday. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never quit.